0: Is hell real? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big
1: truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. Josh. Hey, Aaron. It's good to to be here, though we're not necessarily talking about a Fun subject today.
0: That's true. Although, I mean, you know, some people will think we're cussing, and that is just funny to well, me.
1: it's always when you work <laughs> for a Christian employer, it's always good to feel like you're getting away somewhat with some cursing.
0: That's because you know we're we're all twelve year olds on the inside.
1: Let's that, that, just that's be true. honest. That's true. So. That's
0: true. But uh, we are talking about the nature of hell today. So um, once again, a light, cheery topic. This is a one-two punch with. Um, talking about the second coming of christ last week mm-hmm. but um we're gonna so what we're gonna do is we're gonna get into this we're gonna we're gonna read the description of of it as found in our 99 essential doctrines as a reminder we also have a video that uh that connects with this as well and um, all three of these work together to help um, really shape an understanding of this very, very important truth, and we do this with every single one of our doctrines in the Gospel Project. So, um, we're going to start with the description as found in in the doctrines. We're going to summarize that a little more distinctly, and then uh, and then talk about it where we see it in Scripture and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So, um, here we go. For those who are not found in Christ at the time of their death, the Scripture says. That God's condemnation remains upon them, and that they will be judged according to their deeds done on earth. The punishment that awaits unbelievers in hell is an eternal, never-ending suffering that comes from sins committed against an infinite God. In hell, sinners are forever separated from God. So if we had to sep- summarize this down a little bit more s- little bit more simply. Hell is a is very real, very eternal, and offers a very terrible future um that awaits all who do not trust in Jesus.
1: Yes, and that just that's the grim reality that we're confronted with uh in scripture and uh it can feel somewhat of a arbitrary or inconvenient doctrine that hey this is just something that people believed a long time ago when they had uh, primitive views of, of justice and the in the afterlife don't don't we know better today but as as i think we'll see uh, as we tease out in in our our discussion that, that hell really comes to terms with the with the gross nature of sin but also the thoroughgoing justice uh, of god and that that's what we have presented to us in, in scripture that that hell the outpouring of god's wrath against unbelief and rebellion against him uh, in a way highlights the, the goodness of God, that he will hold sinners accountable for their sin and that we, we live in a, in a universe and we all experience and see injustice committed. And, and we want, we don't want that injustice mm-hmm. left, left, left suspended hanging in air and never to be resolved or dealt with. And, and that's where, that's where there's, there's a, the goodness of God is, is communicated in the, in the doctrine of hell and, and, uh, strangely, strange as it might sound to us, um, because of pe- how people tend to respond to this this uh, ancient and historic uh, belief of the of the Christian faith, um, hell is actually a pastoral doctrine, and I'll, I'll say more about that that later. How it, it can be used in a in a pastoral way, and, and it is there like all doctrine there for the for the building up of of the of the body of Christ?
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so. Before we get there, let's uh, let's talk about a few places where we see this, where we see the nature of hell and judgment um, displayed in Scripture. Right. So, um, one of the first places that one of the places that we want to take you to here is is uh, Hebrews chapter nine, verses twenty verse twenty seven, which says um, that. Just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this judgment, and so it's just this, this rem- this reminder that judgment does come after death is, and so this is of course a verse that is in the midst of a larger discussion, um, but, um, but we want to point that out there. Uh, John chapter three, verse thirty-six, also. Um, um, also speaks to this to this reality of the of the wrath of God, and so um, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. So those are those are just a couple of them that are that are dealing with the the uh, the reality that ju- judgment will exist, that we will be held to account for the things that we do, um, and the scriptures are actually very clear that. Everyone, right, is held to account. Um, so whether you believe in Christ or whether you don't, all of us receive judgment mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. at at the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just what kind of judgment exactly. are we receiving? Exactly. So um, and that's where John John three is really really important because um, it's the basis of God's pleasure um you know so the basis so the gift of eternal life ultimately um is what comes with with trusting in Christ uh believing in the son but otherwise the wrath that already exists by nature by virtue of our um our sinful nature and our sinful
1: choices mm-hmm. um remains present apart from him. Yes. As John three thirty six is getting across, it hinges yeah. on the Son, on the person of the Son, Jesus yep. Christ. And so either we're in Christ or we're left in Adam. So either we're, we avoid God's wrath because Jesus has taken that on for himself and we're mm-hmm. found in him and we're credited with his righteousness. He has absorbed the punishment that was coming to us uh on our behalf or uh we're left standing outside of christ and in in, in the filthy rags of our unrighteousness we're, we're just left in adam to use paul's paul's language either being in adam or in christ we're, we're left in a, in our, our sinful state with n- no one to mediate or stand uh stand in place uh for us mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, taking care of our sin uh another passage that's important in this discussion because there's a lot of debate about well is hell an actual eternal ongoing experience or is it just eternal in consequence? And we'll, we'll, we'll say a little bit more about that later, but Matthew uh, 25 verses 41 and 46 are insightful um, and crucial to, to understanding and affirming the eternal nature of hell. And this is Jesus speaking, um, um, about end times things in this this discourse, it's called the the Olivet discourse, and there's some parables in Matthew's gospel that, that Matthew includes there, and he talks about that the final judgment. There's going to be this separation between the sheep and the goats. Uh, this this metaphor, the sheep, those who um, were obedient and followed jesus and 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 you see that reflected in their works how they cared and showed compassion to others and then you have uh, the goats who uh, did not follow jesus and that's that's evident in their works as well how they how they treated others and so i'll read a a couple of those verses that are especially uh relevant to this discussion and then verse 41 of matthew 25 uh, it says then he will also say to those on the left depart from me you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels and then verse 46 and they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life so uh, what's important and we'll bring up again as our discussion goes on is this, it's this eternal fire that's prepared uh, for the devil and his angels though though not exclusively uh it is um, it was constructed it was conceived of uh, for the sake of punishing those who have rebelled against God and, and those who uh, join with them um, another relevant passage in terms of getting across the um, the conscience ongoing uh, nature uh, of, of pun of, of the Punishment of final judgment that we often refer to as hell as, as in Revelation 20 uh, verses 10 and then uh, also verses uh, 14 and 15 um, Where hell is described as a, as a lake of fire it says uh, verse 10 the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophet are and they will be Tormented day and night forever and ever and then skipping down to verse 14 death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire so we're, we're seeing some categories introduced there and that again you have an emphasis on uh, on Satan um, the devil here he's called uh, being the one who experiences this judgment so this all already Undoes a lot of the, the, the wrong cultural thinking that's crept into tradition about Satan, Satan being able to rule in hell and so forth as if mm-hmm. he's in charge of meeting out the punish, punishment that, that is really God's punishment to, to give those who have rebelled against him and you have those uh, other figures of evil such as the beast and, and the false prophet that, that um, go back to the book of Daniel and, and Revelation or are, uh, are spoken about, and then you have these these, these categories of, of death and Hades, so it's almost like you have these containing cells for the, those who uh, died in a, in a state outside of Christ, uh, the, the evil, the wicked who have perished, have been in these um, holding cells before they experience the, the final judgment that, that is held, before they are uh, brought, before the... the, 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 the official court of charges and giving and given their bodies the resurrection bodies as it were because it's not just the redeemed in Christ who receive resurrection bodies it the, there's a general resurrection that Jesus describes in John 5 the, the resurrection of the just and the unjust is the way. He puts it well. They will have bodies fitted for hell, is the way Scripture uh, uh, talks about that. Uh, bodies suited for des- destruction. Not to, hopefully that doesn't sound too demented to, to anyone. But we really are seeing this this imagery, this this grimness. Uh, presented in scripture just to, to show the severity of human sin and human rebellion and how God will deal with that. So there's mm-hmm. there a judgment that's immediately after death, but there's also a, a final uh, prolonged judgment that awaits even after that, at, at the final resurrection after, after Christ's return, and it awaits all those who are not found, uh, whose names aren't found in the, the book of life, and the, the, who uh, are, are awaiting this this lake of fire, as, as uh, John describes it here in Revelation 20
0: what do we need to know to really understand this doctrine so i'm going to go with i'm i'm going to kick us off with this because there's a lot here but um you know in in the language that that we have used in just the tiny 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 sampling of passages here um it can It can be confusing because, I mean, we hear things like fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth. We hear eternal destruction. We hear outer darkness and yet and yet also fire at the same time. Um, Things that seemingly contradict one another. And So a natural question is a natural thing that we need to understand here is, is that um, that regardless of the fact that. We may not know if what we're what we're seeing described in scripture is literal or figurative in terms of descriptions that the existence of hell mm-hmm. is a real thing. Um, so the word translated "hell" derives from uh, from the Greek word uh, Gehenna, which um, itself is um, is uh, is referring to. Um, uh, the the valley of of Hymnon, um, which we which we see in, as a place of southwest of Jerusalem, which was um, according to Second Kings and Jeremiah was actually um, a place associated with curse and judgment. So um, later on, people have added added some additional elements to to that association in. Um, you know, and some have picked up on that to try to obscure the question right. of whether or not hell is a real place. Um, but from the from the Old Testament itself, there was this association that um, that this was a place of of death and judgment, of of curse, um, which um, was taken very severely. Um, so hell is, meanwhile, in the New Testament. Um, hell's presented by Jesus and the and the other New, and the New Testament authors um, as um, a state of final judgment and not merely a a bad place. Um, right. So there's a there's actually a show that that is hilariously weird uh, called The Good Place. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, that came out a few years ago. The the whole conceit of it is is. Um, is what if a whole bunch of really awful people um, can can really awful people get better after they die? Um, can they improve themselves? Mm-hmm. And so the, the 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 central conceit of the show originally is is that um, that demons in hell have constructed a fake good place, mm-hmm. um, so uh, a silly secular version of what paradise would be like. That's all based on a on a merit system mm-hmm. entirely um but um but it's constructed like this and everything is falling apart and and basically to to make them think that they have um they have accidentally gotten into the real good place mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so that uh and basically using that as torture right, um, right. a very unique form of torture um, that's not what we're talking about here when we talk about hell for real. Um, there, the the Bible doesn't just present this as as a as a bad place, as a yucky place, or or um, you know, you know, or as the the seven or as the circles of hell that Dante right, right, right. Uh, uses. Um, you know, any of this kind of stuff. The the things the the things outside of Scripture that have ultimately. Um, informed and conditioned, a lot of our a lot of our thinking around it. Mm-hmm. So we need to take what Scripture says about the reality of hell on its own terms. Um, is is really the point here. We recognize that it's real. We also recognize that there's a lot about it that we don't know and can't know, be, and Lord willing, that we will never know. Because um, if we are in Christ, we will, we
1: will not experience that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to understand what the biblical authors are doing in each, in each instance where they're describing... The final judgment of God you think of how much symbolism for instance is in the book of Revelation being in a, in the a genre which is known as apocalyptic so a lot of a lot of symbols a lot of a lot of imagery that aren't necessarily to be taken taken in this this one-for-one manner so rather than talking about you know how literally do we understand hell it might be better to say well how how do we understand the Bible on its own literary terms and how it describes hell and as you as you mentioned if we take it to in this wooden straightforward literalistic sense where you have it both described as outer darkness Jesus talking about people being cast into outer darkness but then yet it's this place of fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth well if if fire is heat and it produces light then how to how is, how does it have darkness and well that really is just a case of you're you're trying to make a metaphor walk on all fours metaphors symbols are meant to point to greater reality so If if fire is is a symbol, if outer darkness is a symbol, um, if if any of if any of these any of this language is that is very much uh, there to um, communicate an assault on the on the on the senses, something that's not going to be pleasant to to experience, well, then I I don't even think I want to know what the real reality is, right? Because when we think of symbols, so say you're driving down the road and you're hungry, you see the Chick-fil-A sign, you get excited. You don't get excited because you like Chick-fil-A's logo, though it is nice and elegant, and I get excited too when I see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're excited because of what it represents. A symbol points to a greater reality, just as uh, some of the historical uh, features And conventions in the Old Testament, such as say the sacrificial system, points to a greater reality in Jesus' sacrifice for us. If we we can we can uh, use a scripture um, example, Uh, so if the fire. Uh, points to something greater than how, how severe, how dreadful is this this fate that awaits those who uh, die in rebellion against God and outside of Christ. So we're not, by taking into account the literary nature of these descriptions, trying to downplay the, the reality or the severity of hell, we're actually uh, affirming a more severe view. We're taking more seriously what the Bible does, and, and Jesus using this language of Gehenna, um, he's saying that it's more severe than actually what this this word picture uh, can can communicate. Symbols point to a greater reality. They don't point to a lesser reality, if we could yeah. put it that way. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, um, if you want to kind of continue our discussion here, is, um, sometimes you'll hear hell described as the absence of God, but really we're not saying that hell is some corridor of the universe or the spiritual realm that exists that's sort of off limits to God or God isn't omnipresent in that. Uh, what, what's a better way to think about God's presence um, and activity in, in relation to, to the reality of hell? Yeah, well, I, I think one of the ways that's really
0: helpful there is that um, the way you were putting it is is—is it's not that God is not present because, again, to your point, he is omnipresent, which means necessarily God is everywhere. Mm-hmm. There is literally no place
1: where God is not. Yeah. Um, you think of the psalmist in Psalm one thirty nine. Yeah, he's like I where? Make my where bed can I Sheol, go? That was the that <laughs> yeah. was the abode of the dead, and 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 Old Testament category. So even if I make my bed in Sheol, the, the place of the dead, the underworld, before we have as defined categories of heaven and hell, yeah. and, and, and revelation, and 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 and, and the whole. You know, corpus of Scripture. Yeah. If I make my bed in hell, you were there. Make my bed in Sheol uh, would be the better translation. So yeah. sorry to interrupt, but no, 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 this no, no. I'm glad you to went. To there. Interject about.
0: Yeah. No, we we needed to go there. That's that's really really important. So don't think about hell as the absence of God's presence. Um, and even in our definition, um, we use this phrase um, that uh, we use that phrase um, that in hell sinners are forever separated from God um, and. Uh, that is um in in all honesty um that's the kind of language that it's it's just clumsy language mm-hmm. to try to communicate this this truth which is that we are we are separated it's that hell is not the absence of god's presence but it is the absence of god's blessed presence mm-hmm. so his um or his compassionate and loving presence right um in hell it is we um, God is there, but it is. But God is um, present with His wrath, right? Right. In its in its most unrestrained form, exactly. Um, and that is that's one of those things that we we get really uncomfortable with mm-hmm. because we don't like to talk about that. But it is. But it's true. Um, we um, uh, in that. In other words people those who are in hell so the devil and his angels and all who align with them ultimately um they won't experience any positive benefit of relationship with god um the the common grace um as as some theologians have described it which um is what we experience um day to day in this world right now the fact that we all um that we all enjoy life and breath that we have the opportunity right. to come to Christ all of this is examples of common grace mm-hmm. the that we experience love and joy and and friendship and and all of these these good and wonderful things um that is that is an act example of God's grace yeah none of that is in hell yeah and so hell is the ultimate form of death and exile, something that we see in smaller forms throughout Scripture mm-hmm. and throughout human history. Um, it's infinite in duration rather, um, rather than, than intensity since, um, sin, uh, since sinful creatures are finite but immortal. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, that's something that we, we, we forget is right. that um, death is a foreign concept. It's 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 an infiltrator into God's creation. By virtue of sin, infiltrating God's Mm -hmm. creation. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Another way to think about it, um, you know, C.S. Lewis has had some interesting views on views on hell. And um, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he that he said. But um, he had uh, but he had a really, really great way of describing hell. Uh, describing this, which was basically to say that, that in hell um, sinners are getting what they wanted. Yeah. They're getting what they asked for, what Mm -hmm. they, what they most desired. Um, And he, and he put it as the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is, um, that is a, that is a massive thing. It is a, um, um, it's, and but it's also a torturous thing, sure, because I mean, think about this, like to know that God is near, that God is there, and yet um um that he that his grace and his kindness are entirely inaccessible to you, mm-hmm. that might be the greatest punishment right. of right. all, especially to
1: have seen this is what he was really like, yes, yes. You yes. know, because, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and to piggyback on uh, C.S. Lewis again, I, I believe he said this is hell and God giving human freedom to rebel against him. Hell is basically saying, the human saying, my will be done, and God saying, fine, yeah. gi- giving you over to yourself. And you see that pattern in passages like Romans 1 18 through 32, where God's judgment is actually not so much in the form of. Natural disasters taking place and and, and coming down upon villages uh, the way we can often think about it, but in terms of just giving the sinner over to their sin and all and all the natural consequences that, that come with that, this, this giving over uh, a person to their their unbelief and their delusion of making um, their own pleasures, lusts, desires, yeah. and reason even. Yeah, uh, God, God themselves act as God themselves so it's yeah it's it's God's response to creatures in one sense um, he's sovereign and in, in determining in determining that there's this place of punishment called hell but it's also saying this is this is the right and fitting result of your rebellion against me and that, that's why I think that that metaphor of death and exile is, mm-hmm. is, is so helpful in, in scripture that death isn't merely uh, the ceasing of biological life, of physical life. If you if if you look back to that the garden narrative when Adam and Eve first sinned against God, um, the the serpent's lie was, oh well, God knows you won't surely die in that day that you eat of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you you'll become like him. But in in fact, in a sense, they did die because life, the way that Genesis one through three is presenting it, isn't merely just biological existence that you can that you can breathe that you can eat that you can reproduce well no life was existing with god in good fellowship in in his place uh in, in the garden there the garden paradise and they were exiled from that so they did die in a, in a real spiritual sense that day and yeah. physical death was just symptomatic of that so really hell is just the the ultimate and final form of death and it and it, do, and it doesn't cease because we as creatures were created to exist forever with God. Yes, we have a beginning, but we were never meant to have an end. And so that, that's, that's one of the sort of the biblical uh, rationalities that I, that I would point to, and, and, and steering our listeners away from views like uh, annihilationism, which says that, oh, after death, the wicked may be punished for a time, but then they will at some point, at a certain point, cease to exist, uh, we've mm-hmm. already looked at a few passages about the the everlasting nature of the of the, of the torment uh, that that the uh, wicked will experience uh, at 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 the at the judgment. Yeah. But annihil- annihilationism doesn't it, it has I, I feel like a less than cogent uh, and superficial view of what death is. Death isn't mere ceasing of biological life and and duration. Death is experiencing exile from God's good uh, blessing. And yeah. so that that's really where there's not there is a logic to hell and how it fits into God's economy if we can, if we can put it that way. And God revealing himself as a good and just God who does take his creatures their actions and their beliefs, their attitudes seriously mm-hmm. and and he honors them and as we talked about earlier, uh, you you mentioned and this has been a line of reasoning in the in the church. You can find it in say the uh, works of Thomas Aquinas is that you know, some object to hell on the grounds of like, well, we're finite creatures. We've mm-hmm. only committed finite crimes or offenses against God. So does it seem doesn't it seem harsh or extreme or unfitting that the duration of hell is eternal, that it that it's everlasting, but really what what is the more fitting consequence for us rebelling against an infinitely holy God Mm -hmm. of whom there is nothing greater that can be conceived. There's no one more worthy than God himself. So what would be the right punishment? And well, since creatures, and I know this gets a little bit abstract and philosophical, creatures are finite Mm -hmm. and time bound. So we, we can't take an eternity of God's wrath. We can't take the due penalty for our sin in just one moment. That's why it's, it's, it, it's it's measured out in an eternity of, of consequence and an eternity of, of ongoing punishment because our debt to God before Him is, is infinite, it's something we can't fulfill. And indeed, for those who are saved and do avoid God's wrath, it, the reason we're able to be saved is because Jesus' death, His sacrifice, was infinitely valuable because he was the God man and that, that, that that's what's behind it mm-hmm. uh, if our listeners have heard of the the um, 10th 11th century theologian known as Anselm, uh, he answered the question why the God man and part of that was yes he had to be uh, part of his reasoning was yes to die for us he had to be a man in order to die but for his sacrifice to uh, truly account for our death and honor God and how God's been dishonored by our sin, he needed to be the God-man. His, his sacrifice needed to be of infinite value. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw those things out there because it's helped me when I've had um, consternation over um, the goodness, the just nature of hell, and why it's there, and it can seem kind of arbitrary and and, um, and and just kind of there as a way to intimidate or coerce people into a belief in Jesus. But no, more than more than motivating uh, missions, evangelism, trying to uh, bring people to faith, it, it's there to, first of all, testify to God's justice. Yes. And that he will punish sin, that he will not leave the books unbalanced in his universe, as it were.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean, that really is one of the key problems with one of the alternative views of, um, well, really both of the, al- mm-hmm. of, like, both of the primary alternative views right, of, right. Uh, to eternal punishment um, and the existence of an eternal hell. Um, but specifically with universalism, mm-hmm. which um, the the essential idea is um, is really taking the scope of of what we see in, uh, you know, in language like in uh, Colossians, which describes the the cosmic scale of Christ's redeeming mm-hmm. work and. Um, not forgetting what how Scripture also like, but forgets how Scripture also limits, right? Though that cosmic redemption um, when it comes to those who have saving faith, um, that not all who not like Christ doesn't simply redeem all people and so people just need so mm. thereby making the purpose of evangelism to be um to help people recognize that right. they already all are saved which is um you know a little bit reductionistic on my part i will sure, admit sure. but um is is generally the big idea of of how uh, of the purpose and intent of, of evangelism in that context but ultimately is um that we have to remember that um um that the the gospel is 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 the hope that we have that redemption for humanity only comes through faith in christ um you look at verse um uh colossians uh 1 verse 23 Mm -hmm. i believe um says that those who remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard are those who are redeemed. Right, right. And so it's not everybody. Right. Um, Because ultimately, like why would there be any sort of warnings? Sure. Um, why would there be the, the need for repentance? Again, to your point, what
1: happens to the call to justice? Exactly, exactly. And I think that, sh- that that underlies a problem with with both views, annihilationism and universalism, because then you're saying that evil of all different measures and extremes and forms ultimately ends up with the same fate, same, same result. So mm-hmm. Hitler and Pol Pot, which I know we don't always want to use Hitler as an example, but, no. <laughs> uh, but when you see these really, really, um, exacerbated extreme instances of evil actions taken throughout history, um, where's the justice if your kind neighbor gets the same, uh, receives the same fate, same result as Hitler. Yes, he might die outside of Christ, but Aaron, as you mentioned earlier, and as, as Scripture alludes to when it's talking about the the, the book of life uh, being brought out at the end time judgment and people being judged according to their works, though we're not justified according to, the, mm-hmm. to our works if we're in Christ, we are judged according to our works. So if there's no if if everyone receives receives an equal amount of punishment and there, that there's no measure involved with the with with the punishment that people receive, well, then where where is the justice in that? If if the if the if the intensity or the quality of of the evil in the in in the um, in their works isn't isn't meted out in some sort of uh, fitting or um, consistent uh, manner, and so with universalism, you end up with Everybody ends up being redeemed, regardless regardless of how they lived and what their responses to the gospel. They're just ultimately uh, rehabilitated or re, you know remediated uh, yeah. uh, in the end, some way, somehow, uh, supernaturally. And then with annihilationism, well, you know, there really isn't that bad of a punishment awaiting those who need to repent of their wrongdoing. That eventually they're going to not. Not exist so on some level crime would pay because they would they would get what they want in this life and then only have to undergo um, punishment for a certain amount of time according to some views of annihilationists Um, and so hell really as, as as we're trying to emphasize here underscores. Uh, the goodness, the justice, the fairness of God. Right? When people say yeah. that's not fair, we really don't want to ask God to be to be fair and just toward us, because otherwise we wouldn't have the cross. Right? The yeah. Grace, grace. To quote uh, the Christian band Reliant K, uh, is what <laughs> makes is what makes life unfair. And so, if it, if if God were solely operating on justice and not Introducing grace into the equation, where there is a way to escape this final form of judgment that we know is hell. Well, then everyone would go to hell. We'd be universalist, but uni- it would be universal hell that yes. we would we would have to affirm and, and if that were the case, and could be the case for for God if he if he wanted to uh, carry out a plan in such a way.
0: Uh, one of the last things that we we should. Um Reference here before we get into um, just kind of recapping some of the differences that this right. doctrine will make. We've we've already covered some mm-hmm. of them, but um, but one final point is is that really there's a question of whether or not hell is even the best word to use right. for what right. we're talking about. Um, you know the you know maybe maybe using a phrase like the lake of fire is more mm-hmm. accurate mm-hmm. when we're talking about what the Bible is talking about about right. eternal right. judgment. Um, but all of that really comes down to how you understand the word Hades, or the, and, and likewise, the word Sheol in the Old Testament, um, because the, the whole idea of those really is, is this temporary place of the dead. Um, it's like a holding ground, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, now, um, older translations of the Bible will actually go and translate Hades and Sheol both as right. hell. Um, King James uh, does mm-hmm. this, for yes. example. Um, but that, that does, that ultimately really only adds to the confusion around this. Um, so hell in final form, what we should, what we should know about this is, is that it is, um, is bodily. So it is part, so we have the, the general resurrection that you described. We have judge, we, um, we all experience judgment, all these things that we that we've already covered, but it's it's worth saying again that it's like we have to we have to remember that um, we can't lose that fi- that physicality mm-hmm. aspect, mm-hmm. and so the the words and phrases that we use to describe it um, matter too, especially in context of what the
1: purpose of hell is right right i think it's similar to the dynamic we see with heaven and then the new heavens and new earth heaven is sort of the temporary uh holding place the paradise for the saints for those who have departed in faithfulness uh to to god so Heaven is, as we see, you know, described in passages in Revelation, the saints before the throne crying out for justice. That that sort of thing it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 incomplete. So, as I've heard one one of my professors put it, heaven is a bus stop. Now, it's it's a glorious and great bus yes. stop, best stop you'll ever be to, uh, you ever you've ever been to, but it nonetheless isn't the ultimate end. The ultimate end is heaven and earth being united uh, together uh, in this in this physical spiritual way that we see uh, talked about is the new heavens new earth the new Jerusalem and Revelation 20 21 22 and so the uh, and other authors in the New Testament talk about the the new creation and the new earth Uh, so final existence is bodily both for the redeemed and and the unredeemed and 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 the wicked so hell uh, you know sometimes people are talking about the place where your soul goes, and as you were describing Aaron that would probably be more accurate to talk about Hades or Sheol as the as the place where the departed wicked uh, go immediately after death, where their soul goes, but then when their souls are united with their body, as as humans were intended to be uh, united, as both soul and body, uh, there's this final form of hell, which like you like you said, might be best to describe as the lake of fire, because as mm-hmm. as we read in Revelation twenty, uh, death and Hades are swallowed up or thrown into the the lake of fire they aren't the final destination as it were it, rather uh, the lake of fire is what is described as the, the final uh place uh, of unrest i would say the final resting place but it's really the the opposite of what the ultimate sabbath rest is with hell yeah. it's the final place of unrest and distressed uh where the where the wicked go now it's important when we're talking about hell and, you know, I don't, we don't want to seem too crass or too flippant or too academic in, in the way we're, we're just mm-hmm. describing these things. But we, we need to speak of this with, with um, a real and sobering humility uh, because the reason that we're not going to hell and others might be is not because of anything we've done. It's not because there's anything intrinsically better in us. This is where all humanity uh, born in Adam in original sin is, is headed. We're headed toward the wrath of God, and, but it's only because God intervened and sent his son and rescued us, called us to himself and his son through the gospel, through the spirits working in our lives, uh, that that we were even able to repent and believe and escape this final form of judgment. So anytime we speak about hell, we need to do so with humility, and Mm -hmm. also we need to do so with, with compassion, weeping for those who don't get to experience the blessing of Christ and who are Um, headed uh, toward an an eternity without the blessed uh, presence of God, as we called it. Um, C.H. Spurgeon, um, who's very quotable, so it's it's a good place to quote him. He says, whenever we speak of heaven, and this is a paraphrase from my memory, but Mm -hmm. whenever we speak of heaven, we should do so with a glimmer, uh, twinkle in our eye with, with the utmost excitement. But when we talk about hell, well, your normal voice will do. Um, And so he's saying that in uh, a tongue-in-cheek way, saying that we normally uh, talk in sort of um, a downcast demeanor, if we could put it that way. Uh, But when we talk about hell, especially when we're communicating uh, its reality, to those who are outside the faith, who who aren't Christians, uh, we need to do so with a posture of humility, a posture of compassion, uh, of weeping. And um, Aaron, did you have anything you wanted to add in terms of how h- hell uh, should be considered in terms of how we think about evangelism? Yeah, um, I
0: mean, what we um, this really should this doctrine really should spur us on to evangelism. Mm-hmm. I mean, if hell is real, which we believe it is, right, then we don't want anyone to go there. Um, Right. You know the um, and and the fact that that and really this this can also lead to additional humility and and uh, opportunities to praise God in this as well. I mean, considering the fact that that God may well use us to to um, to snatch. <laughs> uh sinners out of the fire. Yeah, as
1: Jude um, puts it, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's to pull them back to um to to not give them what they want, but to give them something so much better. Right, right. The thing that they didn't even realize that they really wanted. Um we that that needs to motivate us. Now it shouldn't be our sole motivator. And certainly, when we seek to evangelize people, what we don't want to do is is we don't want to lead with a turn or burn message, exactly. um, in general. I mean, there's for some people there is a time and a place for that, and so I don't want to outright discount that. But for the majority of us, um, the believe you know you're gonna you're gonna burn in hell. Believe in Jesus. That's probably not a good right, a good route right, to right. go. Um, instead, it's you think about you have to th- you have to think carefully about who it is that you're talking to and and you never need to dismiss this reality and you should never dismiss this reality um but um let let it be an impetus for you but not be the deciding factor for someone right. professing faith right. in Jesus. What,
1: what's really important that we stress when presenting the Gospels, we're not merely presenting a Savior from hell, because it doesn't take much to persuade someone that you don't want to be uh, cooked in an oven for, for their eternal existence, right? Uh, most people don't want to feel pain in an ongoing, inescapable way. So yeah. we, we that's easy to convince them of that, but we, we don't want to present Jesus as merely a Savior from hell hell but a savior from sin yes. and and that's what you see when you when you see the apostles Uh, present the gospel to the to uh unbelievers it's more the judgment of god is coming but they they don't go into grim gross detail about what that judgment looks like in order to persuade them it's more turn from your sin and your wicked ways so that you can escape the judgment to come and you can escape this this life of sin uh so we want to present a a holistic savior and a holistic salvation that it's that he brings a a transformational and transactional salvation, uh, where we're counted as righteous, but we're also saved from the the, the presence and the ongoing influence of, of sin. Yes. So it's not merely that we escape the the bad place um, when, when yeah. we die that, that Jesus came. Though that is a good and necessary yes. uh, aspect of, of our salvation, but we want, but but we have misled many, especially in previous generations. I, I feel in some of. Uh, you know, sincere but mistaken evangelistic efforts that, um, you know, Jesus is merely your get out of hell card. He's your fire insurance in case in case you die. So pray the prayer so that you don't go to the bad place uh, when it, when it's too late, too late, and you find yourself on your on your deathbed. Yeah, um, w- yeah, we don't
0: need the Ricky Bobby prayer. Exactly, at, uh, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, that is that is really important. And I mean, ultimately. We, we need to remember the good news is called is good news for a reason mm-hmm. and so this is the bad news that makes the good news good mm-hmm. um, and so again we don't we don't shy away from it we 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 speak wisely right about it right all right Josh I think that's a good place for us to wrap up uh, for today so thanks uh, for chatting about this uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast as well if you enjoyed it Please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.org.